0: This episode of Disability After Dark is brought to you in part by La Petite More. La Petite More is a Hamilton, Ontario, Canada-based sex toy company operated by Haroon Sperling. A 1NB operation, they are committed to body safety, body positivity, and a gender-neutral approach to their toys. Head to PetiteMore.ca to check them out and be sure to use coupon code AFTERDARK for free shipping at checkout. PetiteMore.ca Adult. Queer. Safe. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by the worker-owners of Come As You Are. Come As You Are has the peculiar distinction of being the world's only worker-owned cooperative sex shop. With feminist and anti-capitalist values, Come As You Are only carries sexuality products that they truly believe in at the lowest price possible. Get free shipping at www.comeasyouare.com using coupon code AFTERDARK. Cripple Content Creations presents Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on sex and disability, with your host, Andrew Gerza.
1: Disability After Dark, with Andrew Gerza. Shining a bright light on sex and disability.
0: Content warning. The language, content, and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. Hello, hello, thank you so much for coming back to a brand new episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on sex and disability. On this Friday, I am your Crip Crush Friday, Andrew Gerza, your disability boyfriend experience. I'm so happy you're here, and I'm so happy you want to talk sex and disability with me and shine a bright light on it with me, so let's get started. Before we get to the meat of the show, I want to let you know that I am always looking for new topics, we're in the almost the mid-70s of this program and I really want to keep this show running and keep the show as intersectional as possible and as sexy as possible when we talk about sex and disability. So you may have seen on my social media that I'm always looking for topics, I'm asking questions constantly about, so, about what should be in the podcast, what kind of things around sex and disability, I've started looking at sexuality journals and different blogs and different podcasts to find ideas for the show. So please, if you have an idea, please submit it to me. If you have a thought about sex and disability that you have not heard on the show that you want to hear on this show, please let me know. And I would love to put it on the show and look at it as a as a topic because I think we need to keep the show going and I would love, love your help. Finding topics for this show is really awesome, and I love doing it, and I love all the guests that I've had on the show, but I'd love your, more of your input to make sure that I'm meeting the needs of the listeners and meeting the demand for sexuality and disability to be explored more. So if you have an idea, let me know via social media, Andrew Gerza on Twitter, Pod also on Twitter. Um, follow the Facebook page, facebook.com Disability After Dark with your topic ideas, Email me personally with your topic ideas, andrew at com. Let me know what you want to hear, and I want to make an episode out of it for you. Okay, now, really, on to the show. You know, for a couple of weeks now, I wanted to do a topic around sexting and disability, and I wanted to look at how sexting could be an accessible avenue for people with disabilities to express their sexuality and their disability all in one forum. And I wanted to see, to look into that to see if it was a topic of discussion. And And in asking these questions on social media and seeing if people wanted to hear that as a topic, my friend approached me and said, I have a friend, a contact who wants to talk to you about this. You should speak with them. And so I got connected with this contact. Their name is Mari. And they said, I have so much I want to speak to you about this on. Let's have a discussion. So we talked. They sent me their form, and they had a lot of things they wanted to touch on. So we had our first interview, which we taped now a few weeks ago. It was great. It was really powerful. And then when I was putting the show together, the audio crapped out. It bled into each other, and I, the, the, the track was simply not usable. And so I luckily reached out to my other friend, Kyle Kachinarian, from the Accessible Stall podcast, which if you're not listening to this podcast, you need to be. Uh, pause me right now and go and download every episode of the Accessible Stall podcast. Him and Emily Ladaw host, and they talk about just the lived experience of disability for them and have discussions around disability. It's a great show, and as part of Disability Solidarity, I recommend that you pause me and go download that show. Um, but he helped me put my audio back together and fix it so I could have this interview with Mari, this second interview we recorded today um, was so amazing. We talked about so much more than just sexting. We talked about modeling and disability and body image and sexuality. We talked about binary, non-binary sex. We talked about so many different things, incontinence and sexuality and disability. We talked about, of course, sexting and disability and the importance of sexting for them as a disabled person of color, so many things, so many things. And Mari is a a fantastic writer on disability, a blogger on sexuality and disability, and being a person of color as well. I highly recommend that you look at their work. I will make sure to post it in the show notes. But I want to stop rambling and get to this amazingly powerful interview with Mari on the power of sexting and disability, and of course, so much more, right here on Disability After Dark. Mari, thank you so much for coming on Disability After Dark. How are you today?
1: I'm great. Thank you for having me.
0: I'm so happy you're here. This is the second time we've recorded this amazing interview because, well, Audacity Audacity and programs don't want to work. (laughs) So um, we're trying it again. Uh, I'm so happy you're here because our first interview was amazing and I'm really glad we get to do it again. Me too. Awesome. So, why don't you just introduce yourself and tell us who you are, why you're awesome, and let us know about your preferred identities and or pronouns.
1: Uh, so, my name is Mari Ramsaywak I am a freelance writer and I guess now a freelance model. Um, I am non-binary as well as disabled. Um, I... I identify as disabled because I was born with spina bifida, which we can get into a little bit more later. Um, and I am non-binary. I'm not sure if I mentioned that yet. but uh, And I use they, them pronouns. Um, yeah, it was that.
0: That's, that's awesome. I don't think you had mentioned in our first try at this <laughs> that you were a freelance model. That's really, that's cool. How did that come about?
1: Um, I just had a friend who, uh, is also disabled and models, uh, Rachel Romeo, um, and they're just, like, a really great person, and, like, um, they were, like, encouraging me to, like, try it out, and I decided to give it a shot, and I'm just in the starting out phases where I'm just building my portfolio, really.
0: That's great. That's awesome. Um, I've done I've done some like, f- photo shoots and things here and there, and it's, as a disabled person, it's interesting to model because, there's all this stuff with your body that you always like. There's a lot of I found I I love doing it, but I'm also confronted with my own internalized ableism all the time, whenever I'm in front of the camera. Did you feel that?
1: Oh, definitely. It's um a really weird experience because at some points it can be like super empowering. But at other times, you know, you're still kind of moving through an industry that's very based on, you know, desirability and normative standards of what desirable means. So, like, um, you know, as a disabled person, there's definitely a lot of stuff that um, I'm very self-conscious about, um, different parts of my body um, that just don't do the same things. Um, And there's also things like I can't wear heels for safety reasons. Um, So it's very interesting to kind of be in a field that values the, like, not only height, but, like, the appeal of, like, the heel and especially very, like, thin, tall ones.
0: Um, Yeah, which for you, given your disabilities, it's just not, it's a safety issue for sure.
1: Yeah. um, I like the amount of ankle usage that i have like to keep it that way
0: (laughs) i know i i as an as a non-ambulatory wheelchair user i'll never know what that is but i (laughs) appreciate that that's a thing for you um um so you talked a minute ago about how you have spina bifida um and so the question i have here is in what ways does disability play a role in your life can you elaborate on that a bit for us
1: sure so um with spina bifida um what it is is um i was born with the kind of like fatty sac on my spine which kind of messed up my nerves um i have like a, a lower back one so it kind of only affects everything um below my, uh, waist, I guess, um, so part of that is, um, I don't have full strength in my legs, um, so I use a crutch to walk, um, most of the time, um, it also affects my ability to do things like, uh, use the bathroom, um, I also have, like, uh, parts of my legs that I, I can't actually feel, which is, um, very like weird to have just like patches of like sensation
0: so like below your knee is numb
1: it's like it's more the backs of my legs it's very strange how our nerves actually work it's like higher up is like the front of our legs and lower is the backs so um kind of like the backs of my thighs and the um like my calves i don't have as much sensation um okay Which is, um, I didn't actually notice until a uh, physiotherapist actually compared the difference where she ran her leg, or she ran her hand um, up one part of my leg and then up the back part, and I was like, those are completely different sensations. I've never really actually paid attention before, um, so it was really interesting, um, I even have like a, a burn on my butt from sitting on a, a hot rooftop because I couldn't actually feel that the the roof underneath me was so hot, it was actually burning me.
0: Wow, that's that's kind of cool, it wasn't so scary at the same time. Yeah, <laughs>
1: like- um, I know it's something that a lot of um, people who deal with paralysis um, have to deal with, like... Um, one of the, the things my physiotherapist brought up was um, for some people who can't feel their laps, um, computers can actually pose a, a danger because the, the heat from your laptop, if, you're not pay- if you can't feel it, can get so hot it can cause burns. So, yeah, uh, yeah people who can't feel their lap actually have to, like, pay attention um, to make sure that, you know, their computer isn't hurting them without them noticing
0: and I can imagine the same would be true of like phones and cell phones and things because they generate heat. Yeah. We don't really we don't realize it because it's you know, it's such a tiny we think it's such a tiny thing, but it's actually like the way our technology is now, it's like having a phone in your lap, especially as like a, a wheelchair user who may or may not have paralysis, that could be that can pose a huge giant risk.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Things that I never thought about, and I realized. I did know you were a model. I was thinking about it because I, I I noticed your pictures the other day on Facebook, and I was like, "That those are amazing." Yeah. So oh, thank I'm you. excited for those. To, are they gonna, are they going to go wide? Do you think?
1: Um, those ones not particularly. I'm not submitting them anywhere. I'm really just focusing on building a portfolio and like getting the skills. I'm still learning a lot. Um, modeling is very much about figuring out. What works for your body um, not yeah. only physically but kind of visually and um, it's very interesting how sometimes we how we think we look in our head is very different from how we actually look and it's kind of getting in touch with that is what i'm I'm doing right now with all of these shoots
0: and so how like how does this is totally not a question that I wrote down, but I, I'm going off on an awesome tangent now. How does uh, how does your disability play into how you think you saw yourself in your head, or does it?
1: So, in my head, for some reason, I have this vision in my head that I have, like, these very bulky legs. Um, I think it's just the kind of fantasy version of me that I have. Um, and so um, I did, like, a bunch of poses where I kind of, like, made room for these the these thighs and these, like, calves that didn't actually exist. They were just in my head. So, like, my legs are, like, ridiculously wide open in places or just, like, um, they just look very different um, from what I imagined in my head, which is, you know, kind of, I have an obsession with, like, Big calves, probably because I have very little calf in real life. So,
0: you know, you know what's funny about that? I have the same. I get turned on by a, a, a dude's calves because I don't have calves or any leg muscle to properly speak of. So, when I see somebody like that I'm into who has like nicely well developed anything below the knee that's well developed, I'm like, I'm all about this because <laughs> I can't walk and you can. So I'm gonna take advantage. Of it. It's a really weird. It's not a fetish, but it's like I'm into you. You have big calves.
1: <laughs> it's yeah. It's the exact same thing where it's just like oh muscles. Like I could I don't see that on myself. So it's just so intriguing and it's just so like wow. That's that's what legs can look like.
0: <laughs> yeah, I feel the same way about like people with like their feet. When I watch people walk around, mm-hmm. like I'm not able to walk at all. So the idea that somebody's walking around and I'm can like, I, I, I always watch them and go, what does that like feel like to be on the soles of your feet? I have cause when I stand, if I do stand, it's like on my little toes and my tippy toes. Mm. So there's, there's no, like, it's very rare that I would ever get to be on my, on the balls of my feet. So I've always watch people walk around being like, what is that? What is that sensation? Like, how does that, that's, and I mean that the idea is, not sexy but it's appealing to me because it's something that I don't know
1: yeah I have an idea of what you're talking about because as I mentioned with uh, not being able to wear heels I've always admired people who can like dance in heels or you know just really do anything in like big tall heels that um are just kind of impossible for me but it's kind of you know, watching somebody even, like, run in a pair of heels is kind of, like, it's just fascinating and, like, not necessarily sexual, but, like, just appealing and attractive in a way that, like, is hard to explain.
0: I totally get it. It's not it's not necessarily, like, a primal sexual thing, but it's, like, this is something that I'm going to remember for later <laughs> and I'm going to, like, hold on to because – and it's how we, I think – i think unfortunately because of ableism and internalized ableism seeing those images and remembering those images are how we even as disabled people create our ideals because we see everything we see everything that we don't have in these like heroic figures that we trump up in our heads and then that's the ideal and i mean it would be really awesome if we could do the same thing looking at like a wheelchair user or looking at like Somebody with a different, completely different way of walking, or not walking at all, or what you know, however it is, and transfer those ideals of like want and desire to not not that I want to be a wheelchair user necessarily, but I I really admire how you you move that chair or how you do this or how this happens or you know changing the narrative a little bit so that our our sexual ideals can shift a little bit. Yeah,
1: that. But- Kind of like the ideal world And I think um, That feeling that you're describing Is a lot of what is driving me to do these uh, To do the modeling Stuff because um, it It is something that I am Like working through is this kind of um, Trying to get over the obsession of Of idealizing Thick like strong Legs and kind of Trying to turn That narrative and be like okay like just because I don't have these, like, strong, bulky legs that doesn't make my legs any less desirable or any less attractive than those legs. And so I find that while I'm doing this, it's kind of a a narrative that I have to build in my head. Um, And it's not always, like, an easy thing to do. Like, definitely looking back at photos and seeing my body not look the way that I've wanted it to look and... trying to change that um, perspective in my own mind. It's um, I feel like the modeling is more for myself than for other people in that sense.
0: Totally. And, I, I mean, and that's, it can be hard, too, when you're modeling. I've done it, too. I've, I've taken, like, sexy boudoir photos of myself for magazines and things, and sometimes just for myself. And when the photographer has never worked with a disabled person before... They don't know how to direct you and they don't know what to say to work with your particular body type or you know you're ha- how they don't understand how your disability might play or, or not play into what they want. So I've had photographers sometimes tell me like, "Oh, turn your face this way and then realize that I can't or realize that my, my, my body doesn't turn that way mm-hmm. and go, "Oh okay, okay and you can see them like not sure how to how to direct somebody so I think. I think photographers who are taking pictures of disabled models need to maybe take a course on how to discuss, you know, body image in, in that industry. And I think that might change. This is totally a tangent that I wasn't ready to go off mm-hmm. on, but it's awesome. Um, I think that might change uh, how we look at, you know, disabled photography because it is out there. But I do agree that a lot of it tends to be from a unnecessarily ableist viewpoint because we as disabled people are dealing with our own internalized ableism when we're in front of the camera and then the photographer or the team of photographers are also dealing with ableism whether they realize it or not when they take the picture so there may be a way to change the modeling industry when we talk about like pictures and what is, what is sexy and what is sensual by changing the way we talk about bodies in front of the camera maybe
1: Definitely. And I know like the ableism in photography is a real thing. I know, um, there's, there's been issues with photographers cutting wheelchairs out of photos or, um, you know, not knowing how to place a wheelchair user in a photo or, or someone with a mobility aid or, you know, different aids, um, for their bodies and things. And it's, um it's definitely something that should be a part of you know skill building for photographers every photographer should be able to take a photo of a disabled body and you know not feel uncomfortable and feel like there's no way to present the body in a in a pleasing way
0: and yeah in a positive light that is you know welcoming to the to everybody Mm -hmm. um that was an awesome tangent I'm glad we got to go off on that journey together uh (laughs) so how does all of this not not the not the photography part, but to get back on track with my line of questions that I wrote down here how does uh your disability affect your sex and your sensuality and your sense of sexuality
1: um. Well, in a, a ton of different ways. Um, as I mentioned, like in terms of sensuality, like there's different parts of my body where, um, like a sensual touch just like won't work. Um, it's kind of why, um, I do like a little bit of kink in my life. You know, the fact that I have reduced sensation in the backs of my thighs and the backs of my legs. Um, makes it so that like a gentle touch there isn't necessarily going to work for me, but like a spank will. Um, but, uh, um, that's kind of hot. <laughs> exactly. And you know, it also means I can withstand a harder spanking. So, um, just throwing that out there. Um,
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure that, that like my ears literally just worked up like, Oh, all right. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, yeah. Is there any, and you, so you said in a bunch of ways your disability affects your sexuality. I mean, go on and tell me all the things.
1: So, um, I mean, it's not always all positive. Obviously, I also deal with um, chronic pain, and so kind of figuring out how to have sex while being in pain or how to make, you know, pain sexy is um, something that, like, I've had to kind of figure out. Uh, in terms of, you know, having sex and feeling sexy. Um, um, and then there's also, um, this is something I think I didn't bring up the first interview around, but um, I'm feeling a little bit more open this time around, so I'm just going to go for it. I also deal with um, incontinence, which is, Something I'm very embarrassed about most of the time, and it's something I've struggled with a lot, and it definitely makes it harder to do things like hook up or, you know, like have casual sex, because there's always that kind of worry like, oh, is this going to happen this time? How do I prepare for this? How do I prepare the other person for, you know, the possibility? Things are going to go, get a little bit messy, I guess.
0: Um. <laughs> I'm giggling because, no, because I don't. I, I totally hear you and I, I agree. I'm laughing only because I have been there so many times myself and I have. I struggle with the same problem. Um, so I, I, I get you. I'm there with you <laughs> so much <laughs> because you don't know how to tell your partner. And I've talked to other people on the show about this very thing and they said the same thing. They're not like, how do you bring up. Like unless it's unless it's something that you and the person explicitly talked about in like terms of your your fetish or things you like or that's you're like but typically we don't bring it up so I understand your I fully I've been I've been there myself there have been moments where I'm getting down with somebody and they're pulling down my pants and I'm thinking oh fuck like did something happen that I didn't feel is something gonna happen like right after what if they see it what do I do how to like at what <laughs> How do I keep this going? How, like, how do I end it if it's weird? Will they come back again? All that stuff.
1: Yeah, it's very real. And even just like, even before hooking up with someone, it's always like a thought process. Like how do I prep for this? like do I do I clear everything out now? like how much how much of my day should I like put aside for just preparing <laughs> like contingency plans?
0: Like, um, yeah, like, li- and it literally sometimes becomes half your day. Like, you might not have the 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 hookup or the date until later that night, but you've spent like four hours previously making sure that everything is set to go, and you're still not sure because it might <laughs> happen during with with like the excitement and the nerves and all the stuff. It might just occur, and you have to like because hookups are so based on an aimless visualization of the body and the way the body is, like, presented and the way our sex is presented. There's no, like, how do we as disabled people make that sexy? Or do you just, like, laugh about it? Or, like, what is, I honestly don't don't know if there's an answer to that, but I know I what I'm saying is I totally feel you in terms of that, like, discomfort.
1: Yeah, and it's also that, like, definitely part of it is that kind of expectation that hookups are supposed to be, like, very, unemotional and very like separate like you hook up and then you leave you don't need each other's names you don't need to be in each other's lives but having that conversation is also almost very intimate especially if you don't have it very often and so it's like how do you keep this a casual hookup while also disclosing personal health information
0: yeah that is it that's just like that's the whole podcast right now i have to <laughs> We might have to do a panel discussion or have you back for another episode. Like it that's a whole it's a whole other tangent that we could this podcast will be two hours. Yeah. If like so many things. Maybe there'll be a part two. There might be a part two. I
1: uh, would be down for a part two.
0: Some I am already like I've already planned it out. i am already read it. <laughs> <laughs> it's happening. Um so tell me <laughs> tell me about um well before we get into why I really wanted to have you here, because we Met through a mutual friend of ours, Kate Welsh. Hi, Kate. Mm-hmm. I know you're listening because I'm going to make you. You're awesome. <laughs> um, <laughs> so before we get to why you're here, because we're going to talk about sexting and disability today, You, I was looking over your portfolio yesterday because that's the, one of the cool things about being able to do the interview twice mm-hmm. is that I actually got to do proper research this time on who I was talking to. Gasp. Shock. Because <laughs> I never usually do. So I actually did proper research. I felt very important doing it. And I noticed that you wrote an amazing piece for Feisty Fox Films' blog. Um, And you wrote about uh, making the sex blogging community more accessible to queer, disabled people of color. That's, first of all, amazing, (laughs) because when do we ever hear those two intersections come together? Never. Awesome. Um, So first... Why do you think it is inaccessible to disabled people of color? And what are some examples of this?
1: So, um, for me, it's kind of the lack of role models is um, a major part for me. Like, when we talk about blogging, a lot of the time we talk about how accessible it is for everyone. Um, but it, it's not always accessible Um, I know there are some bloggers out there, um, you know, Feisty Fox films included, um, Keith Sloan and girly juice, I know has, you know, tried to incorporate, you you know, things like image descriptions for screen readers, um, transcriptions for, um, their recordings and things like that. Um, but it's not kind of an across the board type thing yet. And, um. especially in terms of the sex blogging community, um, there's not a lot of other bodies that look like ours out there. And there's not a lot of discussion around these kinds of topics. And I think a lot of these topics are also kind of um, still a little bit taboo. Like, you know, this discussion of incontinence and sex, like we're even, you know, a little bit, we we almost seem, you know, afraid to say like you know, like bowel movements, you know, bladder yeah, incontinence. Like, you let's know? just be
0: real let's just be real up front about it. Sometimes I shit myself. <laughs> like sometimes it happens and that's all right. Yeah. But yeah.
1: It's you know, like even us who like you know, we talk about disability a lot, it's still difficult even for us. And so it's hard to kind of pave the way. Um in terms of blogging, you know, um, to talk about disability and sex, and to also talk about how race and and sexuality, like and gender identity, and all of those things come together, it's these are very like fraught conversations, and we already see how uh, you know polarizing they can be, um, you know, for topics that are considered more normative, you know, gender roles in sex, whether or not, you know. It's heterosexual to be penetrated in some kind of way when, you know, we're, it's hard to be that first person to go, oh, hey, also like, sometimes I poop during sex, that happens or, you know, something like that. So, um, I think kind of that is one thing like, uh, that makes the blogging community a little bit inaccessible.
0: Yeah, I would agree, and just I mean, going back to your discussion of transcriptions and stuff like that. Even looking at this podcast, I'll be all openly admit that I don't have transcriptions on this podcast, which I'm kind of ashamed to say because transcription costs are so astronomical. I've looked into it, and I'm just like, I can't. There's no way on like disability funding on top of what I'm already paying for for this show to go. Like, could I afford even one thing of transcription? Is so much, but I will agree that I like it's something we we need to change, and so these transcription services that are, that offer people stuff like this and and like image reader things and all that stuff should have a rate for for disabled people who are who are putting this stuff out there so that they can make sure that their stuff is actually accessible.
1: Yeah, that's such a great idea. Actually, that there should be a rate for people who are just trying to create accessible content. Accessible content shouldn't you know be a luxury it should be something that is available to everyone and so if you're offering st- transcription services should... like
0: yeah yeah no no i agree i totally agree with you it should, it should be a standard across the board like it shouldn't even be It there should be no cost for it you should be like hey you finished like audacity right now we're recording it right at the end it should be like Okay, you've put your podcast together. Would you like an automatic transcription of what you just recorded? (laughs) Like, there's good. We've we have the technology now. No, we do.
1: Yeah, although I wouldn't trust auto transcriptions just yet.
0: (laughs) True, true.
1: But yeah, maybe some of your listeners would like to volunteer their transcription services to uh, help make your podcast more accessible.
0: Amazing. Does anybody want to come and do 72 episodes of stuff we have to go back for? I mean, I, even just listening to you talk right now, I was thinking, wow, I have to go back to like episode one. I was thinking about just doing it and like listening back to myself because it might give me more ideas. So in an effort to be to be accessible, anybody who is listening, who's listening to my rambling right now, I might do my best to make it happen as, soon, as sooner than later. So, awesome. Um, see, this show's all about going off on amazing, on amazing tangents and coming up with ideas. Yay. As people are listening. <laughs> um, so, so, what, so, so, you talked about some of the ways that the blogging community is inaccessible, myself included. Um, and how do we make it, how can we make the Text, blogging community more accessible to disabled people of color and disabled people generally
1: so there's the kind of obvious tangible ways which is you know just attempting to make your content more accessible um, you know there are definitely ways that I can improve my my content to be more accessible as well like it's not you know like a you're doing badly or someone specifically is doing badly it's you know across the board we're there's a tons of accessible um, accessibility issues that some of us aren't even aware of yet that we haven't even thought of um, just because it's not really talked about. Um, so I guess um, for established bloggers would be kind of drawing attention to the kinds of ways you make your blog accessible and reaching out for feedback to your community to figure out what would make your blog more accessible. Um, and, um, but a huge thing for me is, is, um, kind of more a, a community, a, a way for communities, um, to make the, to, to make accessibility, uh, or sorry, I'm just saying words at this point, um, mm, to make the community more accessible. It does have to be a, a community effort. And so the biggest thing is just to support each other and, you know, um, take care of each other, it's very difficult to do anything while you're disabled, much less, you know, promote community and, um, talk about issues that are very close to you. Um, so sharing content from, uh, disabled, um, or queer or people of color, just bloggers in general, even if it's something that you don't experience or you don't necessarily relate to if it's new information share it um because it could relate to somebody who just doesn't know that person's out there yet um yeah yeah and you know for established bloggers reach out and and try and promote people within your community um taylor from feisty fox did that by letting me write that guest post um which was, you know, awesome for me. And it was also great being paid for my work. Um, so, like, that kind of thing is, you know, how what we should be doing. You know, it's one thing to say, like, oh, I believe in inclusion and diversity. It's another thing to actually put the work into it.
0: Yeah, I agree. It's, it's, we use inclusion, especially in queer spaces, we, queer and disabled spaces together, we use the word inclusion as a buzzword. And we often don't, even if we have the best of intentions, again, both of us included, even if we have the best of intentions, like sometimes we stumble and we don't follow through on the on the thing we just said. So I think we constantly need reminders to like, oh how do I how can I do this better? What can I do to make it more inclusive for everyone?
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Um so but I, I love that article and everybody should head over to Feisty Fox films dot com and it's there or it's on your portfolio which will be in the show notes don't worry um so one of the things one last thing before we get to the big thing i want to talk about that you're here for today one of the things you mentioned in your pre-interview form was that you wanted to talk about non-binary binary sex and in our first interview we had a whole awesome discussion about that, and I'd like to kind of recreate that. So I want to hear all about non-binary sex as it relates to disability.
1: So, I mean, I, I found myself kind of negotiating these two ideas of non-binary sex and disabled sex around the same time. Um, I was kind of... Uh, when I was dealing with a lot of gender issues, I, um, I spent a long time, uh, convinced I was like a cis woman. Like I just didn't know there were other options out there. And so it wasn't until, um, kind of in my early adulthood that I even knew that these options existed. Um, and so it also kind of happened around the same time that I started having more sex and, started to realize that my body wasn't going to work the same way as everybody else's during sex. Um, So the two kind of come hand in hand with me, where um, it's just this idea of normative sex is just not a possibility for me. Um, And so, like, for uh, being non-binary, it's, You know, a lot of the times when we talk about sex, um, especially kind of like in sex ed and in the education system, it's always talks of, you know, men's bodies and women's bodies um, and the association of, you know, just like heterosexual sex with that. Um, And so it was kind of an interesting thing to have to be like, well, I'm not a man having sex with a man, or a man having sex with a woman, or a woman having sex with a man, or any of those combinations. It's, you know, usually, I'm somewhere in between, and I'm having sex with someone, and lately, those partners have been kind of somewhere in between as well, and um, the kind of ways that we talk about, like, the ways that I grew up talking about sex didn't really apply anymore, and it was almost in the same way that the ways that I grew up thinking sex had to happen, um, you know, a lot of missionary or doggy was the kind of mainstream idea. Um, you know, those things weren't always a possibility for me. So, uh, you know, it was just about making room for for something different, and so non-binary and disabled sex for me are almost the same thing because I can't separate either identities from who I am and when I'm having sex it's the same way
0: that's kind of awesome and I I was thinking about that too when I was writing out the question and when we talked about it initially um, we had said the same thing we said oh oh yeah like binary and disability are really linked to each other and non-binary identity and disability are really linked Um, so I think it's really interesting that you were able to put disability kind of in there for yourself, um, and I'll say the thing, Like when you were discussing doggy and anal sex a minute ago, um, I did a whole episode on why anal sex is uh, <laughs> is not accessible to me. So I full I I fully feel you there for sure. Um, definitely. Is there any other? Cool points about non-binary sex and disability you wanted to bring up?
1: Um, there's nothing I can really like put into words at the moment. Um, but it's it's such a complex topic. You could probably do an entire episode on it alone.
0: <laughs> we might. There. Listen. I. I just thought we today just in, in this discussion. Have come up with about <laughs> three different podcast episodes. I will have you back multiple times for multiple different topics. I am um, always
1: happy to join you.
0: So excited! Um, tell me about so. So, we want to talk about texting and disability. Mm-hmm. So, we initially talked about how we wanted to talk about the importance of texting as an accept an accessible option for disabled people to express their sexuality. What are your thoughts on that?
1: So um, one big thing for me is that um, because I deal with a lot of chronic pain right now, like even today, the weather has me feeling a bit achy. And if you had asked me to meet you somewhere, I would have canceled about two hours before.
0: (laughs) Yeah, because the weather is shit today in Toronto.
1: It's horrible. And I... I'm so glad that we were able to do this online, Um, but I'm not always able to, you know, physically be with a partner, Um, especially if I have to, like, go out to meet them. I fortunately have a live-in partner, which makes things a little bit easier for me now, but before we lived together, even, um, sexting was a huge part of our relationship because, you know, just because we couldn't physically be with each other all the time didn't mean that we didn't want to be um yeah. and it was a great way to kind of express my sex sexuality and express interest in a partner without being able to physically be with them and also without um having to perform uh certain things that would have been difficult for me at the time it's also kind of nice to be able to just pretend you can do things that maybe you're not actually able to do
0: so in a way sexting allows for like a bit of the fantasy to creep in a little bit and let you like let you let go of the sometimes the reality of chronic pain and chronic illness
1: for sure like um you know, chronic pain isn't usually a feature in my fantasies. And when I'm sexting, I'm not, you know, usually saying things like, oh, like, I can't bend over for you because my hip hurts. Um, you know, <laughs> you can just be yeah. like, bend me over. And, you know, like, it's happening. And Even if, you know, you can't actually do it in person, it's still nice to be able to live out the fantasy in some way. And the I'm I'm a huge fan of the written word as a writer um it's nice to there's nothing wrong with fantasizing about those things and um i think like it's nice to be able to enjoy pleasure even if you're not actually necessarily doing the exact things you think would be pleasurable you still can find a middle ground for you somewhere
0: yeah and one of the things that you had mentioned um, in the last time we talked and one of the things I want to get to because I thought it was really salient and super important to the discussion was you mentioned that when you text somebody as a disabled person, um, you you can kind of gauge their level of comfort with your reality as a disabled person. Can you talk more about that?
1: Yeah. Um, so usually for me... Um it's so, so when I'm online dating, you know, meeting someone from Tinder, that kind of thing, um, the texting beforehand is a major part for me because I have started disclosing my disability kind of up front. Um, and I've actually been having this conversation with um, a lot more people. Um, as, you know, <clears throat> for disabled people, um, especially if you're visibly disabled, that first date, can be very daunting because you don't know how someone will respond to, you you know, your mobility aid or um, whatever makes it visible for you. Um, So kind of being able to have that space where you can safely be like, by the way, I use a cane when I walk, so when I get there, like, don't be concerned. I'm always like that um, kind of a thing it also gives the room for the other person to kind of have their reaction but not necessarily in your face um although i yeah. think you've had a different story related to that
0: i'm trying to remember exactly what the story is that i i mean i have several stories <laughs> about when people have <laughs> reacted with to my face about things um so many stories I can't think of the one I mentioned at the time, but it was, but You yes. were
1: messaging someone online and I think. Oh yeah.
0: Oh, right. Now I remember. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I was messaging this guy, this guy online and he now granted he was 8,000 miles away. Okay. Mm-hmm. So nothing was ever actually going to happen, but I thought he was hot and I felt the need to tell him so. Um, and I messaged him and I said, uh, like, Hey, how are you? We should, ha- we should like talk some more you know, just being polite. And the response I got was the barf emoji. Um, and I didn't know what to do, so as a way of lashing out, I posted it online and I was like, this is what it's like when you try to date and you're disabled. And I put it out there and people, of course, were rightfully like outraged for me. Um, I am I too. <laughs> yeah. I, I appreciated it, but it's like... So I think texting can be a, a an accessible option but it can also lead people to not be so kind to you because they I don't mean, have to the deal
1: the, with your actual reaction they don't actually yeah. have to feel hurt they don't have to see your hurt so they can do anything
0: yeah and i think also one of the but one of the things i love about texting and to move it away from that but one of the things i love about texting a partner um is to kind of push the boundary a little bit and be like okay hey, I'm disabled and I'll need this when you get over and I'll need this and I'll need you to do this and you like you can text all that, send in a big text and then, <laughs> I mean, there is the fear of like sitting there waiting for the three dots to move mm-hmm. and you're like, oh my god, are they texting me because they're excited or are they texting me because they're going to tell me no? Like, You can lay all that out and you don't have to worry about it and there it is in, in text, but then you have to sit there and stare at their dots and be like, What do their dots mean? Do the dots mean that they're an ableist? Or do the dots mean that they, like, are cool with this? What do I do? What do I do? So there's a lot of feelings I have around texting. And I also think, like, we had talked initially about the the coolness of emojis and how we can use emojis to be sexual as disabled people.
1: Yeah. um, Like, emojis, and now you can send gifts in, like, your texts and on Facebook. And it's just, like, so... Easily, like you can send an image, so that can that encapsulates a feeling that you can't put into words. And like, um, for a lot of people, and um, I think sometimes a lot of people forget that not all disabilities are physical. Not everybody has the capabilities to to navigate language um,
0: efficiently
1: or in a way that makes sense to them. Um, not all people can relate words to specific feelings. There's, you know, a lot of people are very visual and, you know, now we have that option of, you know, when you get a hot sext from someone, you don't have to be, like, figure out a way to say, like, that's hot, that's not, that's hot, you know? There's, like, different emojis you can use or... You can find a gif that just gets that right amount of, you know, flustered and excited that you just can't put into words without it sounding really goofy and awkward.
0: Like, for me, the sex emojis that I would use, just so we all know, everyone that's listening, Mm -hmm. (laughs) my, my sex emoji would be... The wheelchair sign, a a, a flame for hot, mm-hmm. and an eggplant. <laughs> Essential
1: emojis.
0: Right, exactly. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. Um, Apple should come up, come up with like sensual emojis. Apple should do something like if somebody emojis built after a sensual... dark. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> Can somebody please do accessible emojis after dark? There's a whole other like, brand we just created. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Um, do you, can you share like some of your sexy emojis that you use with your disability?
1: I, I'm a big GIF user. And okay. um, so with Android phones, I'm not sure if you can do the same thing with Apple. But the, uh, on Android phones, you can use the Google keyboard, which has a GIF search bar um, built into it. And so you can search just like you would search on Google for specific gifts. And so I typically just find all the, like, porn gifts of the things that I want done to me or to do to another partner and just send those off. Like, here you go. Just a little sneak peek of, you know, <laughs> what's going on all in the- my brain right now. Just so you can have an idea. Um, um, it's, that's awesome. Especially because, you know sometimes to describe a certain act it's like a lot of words and i don't know about you but i can get tired out writing a long text and to be able to just send like a gift that's just like the exact thing it's like i don't have you know how they say like a picture's worth a thousand words well gifts are like 10 pictures put into one so
0: yeah (laughs) gifts are worth a thousand sexy moments together (laughs) Um, do, have you had any negative experience trying to use um sexting as an accessible option?
1: Um it's not always convenient, um I guess. There are times where, you know, somebody's at work or not available to you and and you know, if you try to send kind of a a sexy text at the moment, you know, it can you know awkward for them or just like a time where you know maybe someone's looking at their phone Um, so it's a lot of like kind of trying to plan it out still where you're like okay like are you somewhere where you can be on your phone are you um, you know that kind of thing Um, but I think for me as well I typically only sexed with the established partners um i think it would be very different if i was sexting new partners or potential partners
0: yeah see i am i'm kind of a flirt by nature um (laughs) so i (laughs) i'm kind of always sexting in obviously consensual and and like nice ways but i'm always kind of like i want to see how this will be if i text this like i want to see what the reaction is and i think part of it is because I want to see at what point will their ableism become real mm. and at what point will my will my disability become too real for them to handle and at what point will this all have to stop so constantly when I'm texting somebody that I'm into I'm always straddling <laughs> I'm straddling that line between like at what point is my disability going to be too much for you do you ever feel like you're in the middle of that line when you're texting somebody or trying to meet up with a potential new partner that way?
1: I I definitely do. Um I'm a bit more shy about it to be honest. I'm very timid when it's, you know, when things are first starting and I, I think it is that anxiety around is this person going to turn around and be like, "You know what? Turns out there's a lot more things to consider here than I thought, so maybe this isn't for me." Or even, you know, just having them be like, turns out I wasn't as attracted as I thought I was to you. Or, you know, any of those kinds of things. Um, so I'm less likely to put it out there until I'm, you know, more sure of of where they are and how they respond to other people and, and other things. But it definitely slows things down a lot. And... Um, but I... I get a very similar sensation when it's, you know, it's that same feeling of, is my kink too much for you as well, um, that I get with sexting a lot. Whereas in person, it's easier to kind of gauge whether or not someone is as into the idea as you are. But over text, it's a little bit more like, okay, is that idea, did they find that idea as hot as I did? Or did I just go into like weird territory and not realize? (laughs)
0: <laughs> See for me like texting is like this For me it's almost like a fantasy And because in my experience The, me- the men the me- or the male i people that I've been attracted to Or wanted to spend time with that have often Ghosted me I feel like I can Say all the things I want to say in a text Because it's never going to happen in real life So I almost Have the safety of like The screen behind me because I know they're never going to follow Through mm-hmm. and so when they do follow Through like you had mentioned that you're timid Um I am timid when somebody knocks my door and is actually, like, here <laughs> to do the things. I'm like, oh, yeah, uh, okay. Even though, like, f- my whole text string was like, how I'm a dirty, dirty, like, slut, and how I'm all into that, and they're here now, and I, I'm so scared. <laughs> what do I do? <laughs> so, like, that, like, that. I'm I'm very much, like, the 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 phone or the computer has allowed me to become this other kind of part of myself, whereas when somebody knocks my door and is like, hey, so all that stuff you said we're going to do, like, I'm ready to do the things. I'm like, oh, no, what? Sex? I wasn't really, I don't how, what? Okay. Um, so I think that one of the negatives for me is that it's so, texting is so accessible and so part of our culture right now that we often don't realize that, um, you know, some people will turn it into the real thing. And so I think we have to be careful about what our, what our expectations are when we type stuff out. Sometimes,
1: yeah, for sure, that's a really good point.
0: Cause <laughs> I like sometimes, and I, the, the same goes for me. Like, I'll, I'll, the, my partner will text out a bunch of stuff, and then they'll get there and be like, "Actually, I don't want to do this." So I'll be like, "But you're texted, and you're into like <laughs> what?" So I think like we have to be very cognizant of that that text allows us to say a lot of things that we wouldn't maybe say if we were looking in your eyeballs too um
1: yeah and that kind of goes back to what we were first talking about when we we started talking about sexting which is a lot of the time it's that vehicle for for fantasies that we may not actually want to put into effect or aren't able to put into effect but um yeah we do have to be careful of of actually specifying that when we're Doing these things like, oh, like this is something that I've thought about, but maybe wouldn't necessarily do, but it's a hot idea I'd like to explore with you.
0: yeah, and I just going back to I and mean, I, I totally agree with that just, but just going back to like I was thinking about accessibility just a second ago. and I really think that in order for sexting to be accessible to everybody, we need to get Siri and Google Home and all these things that we talk to to be much more like, able to type out all the right things? Because if you if you are, like, I'm thinking of my friends who are nonverbal and who who are totally cognitively there but can't verbalize and use things like bliss boards and AAC boards to communicate their needs. Like, what if you're trying to tell somebody that you want to, like, fuck them really hard and then Siri fucks it up and says something totally, like, <laughs> like, like it's, it's never happened to me. Uh, well, it has happened to me, but not in the same vein you, where you'll say, like, oh, yeah, I want to, do this to you, and then Siri will be like, "And the weather today is." She's so like, "No, no, like I." Like, so that's why I think there needs to be like a dark Siri, <laughs> a ser- like a Siri after dark. Everything seriously. after dark. Yeah, seriously, Tim Cook <laughs> and Google and, and Apple people and Google people, come talk to me. Let's figure it out. <laughs> Let's figure it out. Um, Mari, this is such a great conversation. I have so much more I want to talk to you about, but I want to save it for another episode because. There's like two or three topics now that I'm like, oh, my goodness, we need to talk about this. And oh, my God, you need to be on the panel for this. <laughs> so many things. Um, but you're awesome. Um, you're just awesome. How do people get a hold of you?
1: Um, so I am on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Um, I will give you all of those handles or I Hopefully, I've already given them to you, um, so you can I have them I mean, if, share them out. Wanna... Um, so, Twitter is at murkywaters, and that's spelled M-E-R-K-Y-Y-W-A-T-E-R-S. I hopefully can spell. Um, my Instagram is uh, also at murkywaters, but there's an underscore between the second Y and waters. Um I also have my modeling Instagram, which is at model.mari, um, and my Facebook page you can find by either searching for my name, Mari Ramseywak, or Indivisible Writer.
0: Amazing. And again, I'll make sure that all of that's in the show notes, because it's a lot, It's some, some, <laughs> some of it's similar and some of it's not similar. So if you want to follow Mari's work, which you all should pause right now and start, following them on all of the social medias, the social meds, if you will. (laughs) Um, Do it now. Do it. And then uh, Mari, it was such a pleasure to have you on. I I am so excited for people to hear this.
1: I'm so excited. I'm so glad that I could be on and talk to you about all of these wonderful things. And I'm excited to uh, hear it when it goes live.
0: And I, oh, before I forget, actually, it's going to go live right around the same time that we are doing a thing. So I'm going to plug it because I can. Um, We're going to be, if you're in Toronto, on February 23rd through 25th, we are going to be at the Playground Conference in downtown Toronto. Um, And all of you who are sexy people who want to go to a really, really inclusive sex conference, run by our good friends from Tell Me Something Good, uh, Samantha Fraser. You should go to playgroundconf.com and check out the schedule because there will be a live version of this podcast there. Haven't even planned it out yet. Don't know what it's going to be about, but <laughs> it's it's happening. Um, And we are on a panel about chronic illness, sexuality, and disability.
1: Yeah, I'm looking forward to it it's gonna be my first panel except for the other panel I'm also doing at playground
0: amazing that's that's the the panels at playground are so much fun so much fun
1: it's gonna be a really great conference
0: I, I can't wait <laughs> anyway we're rambling uh, thank you thank you so much for coming on and I will I'm gonna have you back for something or other because there we have so much to talk about thanks so much. Oh, thank you. Okay, listeners, I could have talked to Mari forever. We could have talked for another two more two hours and I want to have them back on the show to discuss different things throughout the course of the show because we had so much we could have talked about. But I found this interview really, really important and really really necessary, I think. It was really so eye-opening some of the things they said to me about their disability and sexuality and what it meant for them. And I can't thank them enough for coming on the show and sharing that with me. I love hearing other people's stories. I love hearing how their intersections around sexuality and disability affect them. And I certainly hope you enjoyed the show. Check out the show notes for their contact information and their, their, the ways to get a hold of them and follow them, and their work. You really should because we need more Um, people learning about the intersections around sexuality and disability, and Mari is someone who can provide you a great light on intersectionality, sexuality, and disability. So I'm really glad they were on the show, and I'm sure we'll hear from them again. All right, so that's another episode of Disability After Dark, and I want to thank you so much for shining a bright light on sex and disability with me. If you want to follow my work, you can head over to www.andrewgerza.com. If you love the show and you're listening to us in iTunes, please, please, please rate and review us so more people can find the show. You can also follow Disability After Dark on all the socials. On Twitter, we're at DisAftDark. That's D-I-S-A-F-T-D-A-R-K-P-O-D on Twitter. Or, of course, you can follow me directly at Andrew Gerza or on Facebook at facebook.com slash disabilityafterdark. If you want to support the program, you can do so via Patreon. As little as $1 a month helps me keep this show going, and I can't thank you enough for all your support. You can pledge at patreon.com slash disabilityafterdark. Copyright notice. Disability After Dark was presented created and produced by Andrew Gerza and Crippled Content Creations, with music by Chris Ugiucci. Any and all materials, including graphics, audio recordings, and music, are property of the owner and cannot be used or distributed without express permission. Copyright Crippled Content Creations, 2018.